This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1 800 889 9789. Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitchless Podcast Network. I'm your host, Callan L. Slager, and today, as always, I am joined by my friends Jake Crumpler and Rick Graham. Guys, thank you for holding a fort down for me last week while I had a little bit of an absence, but, but it's good to be back and, uh, like you see, last week you guys talked about the players we were right about. So, of course, I'm going to come in and put a little damper on the show, and we're going to recap some of the guys we were wrong about going the season and go through the process and just see if there's any takeaways we can take towards the 2024 season or the offseason as we start prepping for next year. But it's fantasy playoff time. How's your uh, how's your playoffs going? Uh, they're, they're going. I'm actually doing... I somehow, as I was just talking about the pitcher list uh, legacy league i somehow snuck into the sixth spot and i'm you know in the semifinals right now have looking pretty good to to make another finals appearance so that's going well and you know the one big money league i'm in um in my home league i'm still in that too so it's yeah it's actually you know both teams kind of snuck in, in in sixth place but uh all that matters is in head-to-head leagues all that matters is the playoffs right i guess yeah, I mean, the PL Staff League is the only league that I have playoffs in. Everything else is either uh, a full season points league or a roto league. So not super worried about it, especially in the staff, league, the consolation bracket. So fighting for seventh place or something. Yeah, and <laughs> not something I'm super worried about. But, you know, doing well in my season long leagues, especially the 15 teamers on the NFBC platform. So I feel good about that, even though my little brother is going to beat me in our home league by quite a decent amount i'm gonna lose a, a pretty large sum of money losing to your brother is never good at telling it from someone who's lost to my brother in some fantasy matchups in the past and it's not fun he will not let me hear the end of it uh, i'm still alive in my two main home leagues uh league with friends buddies from high school and some people from college uh, in the semifinals battling for a championship spot so it, it's the fun time of the season and uh like I said, we're always looking out to try and get you that advantage. But like I said, this week, we're going to talk about some of the guys we're wrong about. But there was an interesting week on the injury front in the middle of September. So we'll start off there. We lost a couple closers to some injuries. But first one is Adbert Azalei. He was placed on the 15-day IL with a strained right forearm. That's, it's extremely disappointing with how he's been pitching for the Cubs and mm-hmm. all the hype we've been giving him over the past couple of weeks in terms of the guy for Chicago. So... As the season wraps up, the Cubs are still fighting for that playoff spot. So who do we see 
taking over for Asla? Is it a committee? Who who's the lead go to guy for the Cubs moving forward? Uh, it could be some sort of committee, but it's if it is, I'm guessing it's going to be led by uh, Julian Merriweather, just because. He saw a save on Sunday. He kind of has been the guy when Alzale hasn't been available that they've leaned on in the ninth inning when needed. So they trust Alzale. I know Fulmer came in and got a save in his first game back, but that's also because Merriweather had pitched the previous three games. So I, I think it's Merriweather, then Fulmer, then Leiter Jr. in that in that order as far as um, who you want to add. And you know, this is at this point, this time of the year, even if it's only a 15 day absence, that's pretty much. You know, that might bring you to the end of the year, depending on when your your season, uh, your your league ends. So, Merriweather, you know, worth a shot if you you, you want to get some some uh, some extra saves. And he's you know he's been pitching really well for the most part since you know his first week of the year. So he's uh, definitely someone to look to add right now. You really think Fulmer over Leiter Junior? Um, I'm. I'm, I'm, maybe that's just based off of the usage the other day when uh, yeah. Leiter Jr. should have been available, but maybe he, I, I, maybe he, he didn't pitch in that game, but he should have been available. It's kind of weird. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. They seem to really like Fulmer despite him being really up, like rocky and just like very up and down the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They haven't really turned to Leiter. I wonder, I wonder when Leiter's last save opportunity was because he, he did get those chances early on and then. Alzale took over and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, the timing is so weird because it, it did seem like Leiter and Alzale were the two members of a closer committee for the first few months of the season. And then whenever Alzale needed a break or, or he was down for a day, it would be Leiter Jr. filling in. So he does lead the mm. team in saves outside of Alzale. So it was really interesting to me that he set up for Merriweather in that first opportunity. And the craziest part about that, about Leiter setting up for Merriweather, uh, on that, that first save without Alzali was that that was Merriweather's third day in a row pitching. So like they really <laughs> forced him out there. And I think it is clear that Merriweather has been the best reliever in the bullpen. Uh, the ERA is very close, but he does trump the rest of the bullpen and strikeout rate. He's up at 33%. So that's really good. Um, but I just that usage leads me to agree with you that Merriweather's first. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting that they went with Fulmer just coming off the IL uh, with lighter pitching just on on one day like he didn't pitch multiple days mm-hmm. in a row so that'll be interesting i went ahead and like picked up lighter jr right away in the league that i have alzali because merriweather wasn't available um and now i I'm, I'm starting to debate whether i should drop him for fulmer because i don't really want to hold both of them especially if merriweather ends up being the guy but this is definitely a situation to watch i, I feel like it's probably going to be merriweather just given that three days in a row for the save but yeah, I, I, I don't. It's, it's hard to tell who's the second guy I, here if it's Leiter Junior or Fulmer. I think Leiter Junior is at least a safer option. Where I mean, Fulmer, Fulmer, yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I, even it, maybe ne- neither of them get saves. Maybe just just Merriweather from here on out. So then, mm-hmm. it, if that's the case, I'd rather have Leiter Junior anyway. So I don't. Yeah, I don't test des- des- uh, technically like disagree with rostering him over Fulmer right now. Sure. Yeah, monitor their bat situation closely. So, like you said, they're going to be in a lot of close games down the stretch. They're battling for a playoff spot, and you know, it's been fun. They've had a very fun season. And the other closer loss from this past week is Kenley Jansen. He was placed on the COVID IL, which honestly I kind of forgot was still a thing because it was still hasn't been really reported on. We haven't heard of any cases. I don't think we've yeah. said it once. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we said it once just, this year. Yeah. 
and at least someone else was just placed on it too for um, the Reds had a bunch of guys. Yeah, Reds. Okay, yeah, I knew it was some something going on, but so yeah, he'll be out. I believe the minimum is seven days. Um, so monitor that closely. We've talked about it all in the past. Who knows how long it's actually going to be? Whether it's serious case, minor case, all that same stuff we talked about back in 2020 and 2021 comes back in the play here. But while the Red Sox currently are battling our Yankees, trying to not finish in the last place in the division. They're going to need to replace Jansen. He's been pretty productive in terms of saves. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been terrible. Who, Rick, do you like best for the Red Sox pen for the next week or so? Because like you said, if it's a week of the season, that's about mm. half the remaining season. Is there anybody in that Red Sox pen that's a priority ad for you? It looks like Chris Martin's going to be the guy. He was warming up today when in the bottom of the eighth when the Red Sox were up to nothing. And then they, they went on to score three runs in the bottom of the inning. So... Martin still pitched the ninth. He didn't get a save, but he probably will be the guy. And it could be the. I mean, it could be the rest of the season. I don't. Jansen's been dealing with other things as well. It's not. I think there was speculation that it might have been something else even before we found out it was a COVID IL. So, you know, nothing to play for. And now, you know, who knows who's going to be running the ship here next season? So they might just shut him down and just you know, they have a bunch of other arms they kind of need to evaluate here. So. Uh, I think Martin really is kind of could be a sneaky ad right now. I, I still like Merriweather better, but uh, Martin is right behind him as far as, um, you know, these late season closer speculations go. Yeah, he's been really good this year. He does have an ERA of 1.14 through 47 and a third innings, and that's very impressive. The strikeouts just aren't really there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like Schreiber could also steal some saves from him. We have seen him get a save recently when Jansen was down, but I think Martin was still on the IL too. So that, that could have mm-hmm. been a case of just the, the best available guy there. But yeah, the, the way that Martin's pitched this year, he definitely deserves the opportunity to uh, close out some games there. Yeah, and, and the Red Sox were not the only team in the ALEs we have to interrupt. We'll rack up the last couple injuries and see if anything means anything for us fantasy-wise. Jonathan Loisigo is placed on the 15-day IL with right elbow inflammation. Odds are that's season for Yankees. Like you said, it's a short turnaround for the remainder of the season, and he's had uh, arm injuries early in the season. Hopefully, it's nothing too severe because he is an extreme weapon for my New York Yankees. Austin Cox, season's over, sprained left ACL. And TJ Antone is placed in the 15-day out of right elbow discomfort for V Reds. Mm-hmm. Anything to take away for any of those um, injuries and anyone benefit? Um, I don't, you know, the Anton and Luizaga, I mean, both those injuries are, you, you'd hate to see it type injuries with those two guys yeah. who are just like, you know, Antone just came back and... Mm-hmm. It, from like it, a, a one and he, a half year absence yeah and i i heard his he him talk in the locker room it sounds he think it, it thinks it's gonna it's nothing serious but still it's you just hate to see that when you just came back and started mm-hmm. throwing again um same i mean the wise guy hasn't pitched on a lot this year either so hopefully again with him too it's just uh just precaution since he you know the yankees don't need to run him out there right now you know not not in the playoff chase so um. Yeah. Both both those guys hopefully are healthy for next season. Yeah, Loisaga had been getting a lot of holds before going on the IL. I think he racked up uh, five in just seventeen appearances. So he'd only been around for uh, a month and a half or two months or so. So we'll probably see more holds for Tommy Conley and uh, Wandy Peralta and. 
even more so because Michael King is in the rotation now. So that leaves a lot of opportunities for them and Keenan Middleton's on the IL. So I think Canely and uh, Peralta are going to be getting the majority of the opportunities there. It's so weird seeing Michael King as a starter. I feel like it's what mm. Yankee fans had like talked about all the time. It's like, oh, he's such great stuff. Put him as a starter. And it's like, no, he's been such a dominant bullpen arm. And now I actually watch him as a starter. And I kind of want him to stay out there. He's been, he's got the stuff for it. So uh, we'll see what happens going into 2024. But that's just been a lot of fun. But I would agree in terms of that, Kane Lee and Peralta are the biggest beneficiaries. Or who knows, considering what they did in the double header the other day, we could see an uptick for Anthony. Mizuwitz and Gallister. Excuse me. <laughs> Sammy, I should I should know how to pronounce my guys. That's that was the weirdest game ever seeing those four relievers uh coming in and save right. against Boston Red Sox in September. Exactly what we predicted going into the <laughs> season. A lot of transactions and just a couple of note we'll run through those and uh get your fantasy impact after that. We talked about Michael Fulmer at the beginning of the show. He was activated on 15 day IL. He's going to play into this mix for the Cubs. Uh, ben Joyce activated from 60 day IL after ulnar neuritis. Brad Broxberger also back for the Cubs after a strained right forearm. Eric Swanson activated 15 day IL for the Blue Jays. A much needed boost to that pen is a battle for a playoff spot. And Tim Hill, Tim Hill, excuse me, activated from 15 day IL with a sprained uh, left ring left ring finger so any of these injuries any of these activations something you're monitoring closely for fans i know fulmer's likely the biggest one because he's actually in a potential save committee but any other ones that are worth keeping an eye on down the stretch i think swanson definitely for holds leagues he's um one of the best setup man in baseball and it's good to see him back after a very short absence i w- we talked about that when he went down like what is a thoracic spine and infl- like what is that type of injury gonna look like <laughs> hey we did uh, some good research <laughs> yeah so it looks like it was relatively minor thankfully um and also good to see ben joyce back in yeah. um throwing 100 miles per hour again hopefully you know that's gonna be a big name to watch next year if he's if he can stay healthy and you know, Carl, they still have Estevez on a, on a one year deal um, for next year, but who knows? Maybe he gets traded and maybe that opens something up for Joyce to take over some saves. Yeah, I hope they go easy on him because I'd like to see mm. Joyce pitching healthy for the full season next year. I think he could be uh, one of the top guys in that bullpen for sure. And I, I echo your thoughts on, on Swanson coming back. He is second in baseball and holds and that's with this extended absence that he just had. So hopefully he comes back and he pitches like he was before the injury. Cause this guy's a super important part of that bullpen. I think the rest of them are, are more depth guys, uh, but they have been out for a while. Tim Hill was, uh, is know, quietly a, a solid guy in the, in the bullpen. Did he go back on the fit? No, that might browser's just not updating um brad boxberger though out for a while and he's back i remember when yeah. we were considering him for the closer role uh in the off season and and boy was that a long time ago he tossed just 15 innings this year um but yeah he's still kicking yeah it's gonna be an interesting stretch hopefully it uh, works out i'd love to like I said, i'd love to see ben joyce back and we're gonna talk about one of the guys we were wrong about with Stevas, but it would not shock me at all if uh Joyce comes into 2024 as a sleeper uh, closer candidate and someone that we uh, he could be our, our new guy going the next year. I have mm-hmm. this weird feeling that he might be maybe not our Pete Fairbanks, but another one of our late guys that we're just uh, going for. But we're going to take a quick break and then come back with some of the risers and fallers in the ranks. Before we do so, 
just a, just a reminder as we get to this playoff push for PL Plus and PL Pro. Uh, we're down to the final stretch. We got playoffs coming up. Everyone's looking for that edge. This is one of the most active parts in our Discord. As a reminder, with PL Plus, you get access to not only PLV, not all the other perks that come with PL Plus, but you get access to our Discord, which includes all sorts of baseball content, every single possible thing under the sun, general relief pitchers, starting pitchers, hitters, questions about anything fantasy baseball, but also fantasy football. I know, Jake, you're not a football guy. Huh. You know what I, I am. I am on the, the QB list show, but we also have a general QB, a PL Plus Discord, PL Pro, also includes access to the QB QB list portion of Discord, where we have weekly start sit discussions, uh, trade questions, the conversations in the general chat during Sunday games is incredible. You get anyone gets hurt, it's in that Discord in 30 seconds from the injury. It's insane. It's a lot of fun. So, and also it's just everything under the sun, movies, TV shows, music, all of that other stuff. So, if you are not part of the QB list Discord or the PL Plus Discord, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's been a great it's a great community and a lot of fun. So, I would definitely recommend it as you try and get the edge over your league mates over these past uh, two weeks. And also, as we get closer to the end of the MLB season, uh, Nick has been doing a lot of uh, awesome content over on playback.tv slash pitcherlist. All you got to do is link up to your cable or MLB.tv account, and you can watch the game live with Nick or whoever he has on as a guest and just chat football or chat not football, baseball. So it's a lot of fun. We know during the playoffs, while we might not get the Cole Reagan starts that Nick's been raving about, he'll be on there, I'm sure, fairly often just to watch games and hang out with the fantasy baseball community. So it's a lot of fun. I'm sure he'll have bring out a lot of guests, guests to talk about this stuff. So would definitely recommend checking those, uh, those out as we get closer to the end of the season. Well, we said we'll take a quick break, get back with some of our risers and fallers. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1-800-889-9789. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? 
You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right. Now that I'm done talking and uh, talking about some of the latest things, let's look at our rankings of risers and followers from the past week. Like I said, these guys are going to be possibly some difference makers over the past next week or two as the season wraps up. So, Rick, let's kick it off. Who is the biggest riser in the past week? Yeah, I went with um, Tanner Scott just because it's um, obviously it's clear now that he's the closer there. There's not there's no competition. Um, David Robertson's a distant afterthought at this point. So now that Scott's got the role, I mean, he's been awesome since August. Um you know, as a, he's yet to allow an earned run actually since August, uh, as a as a, a point seven four whip over that span, twenty eight point one percent K to walk rate. As he's really improved his command and his control and command, he's not, you know, he's not walking people anymore. He's able to spot up his fastball better than he has in his career. Uh, has five saves over the past fifteen days. So yeah, it's it's really. He, now that he's closing and he's continuing to pitch as he has pitched all year, he's, you know, I, where did I put him? I, he could easily be considered a top five closer right now, I think, with just, yeah, I had him at I have him number five because the Marlins play a lot of low, low scoring close games and that benefits him. And he, he does have, I mean, they still have Puck and Nardi in front of him, so the, they're not going to blow games late. Uh, so he, he'll have plenty of opportunities the rest of the way. And, you know, it's so definitely someone to uh, look at for next season. Uh, you know, it's so if you're already out of the playoffs, looking towards 2024, Tanner Scott. I'm sure he's going to be rising up ranks like crazy, but I, I think right now he's probably very undervalued. Yeah, and I, and I think there's probably a lot of people that are just now learning about him because yeah. he was really good for a few months before he finally took over this closer role. And we talked about him for a while, but he's been one of the best strikeout pitchers in baseball, super effective. And it's because he's cut down on the walks. That's allowed him to keep his whip down, avoid base runners when he does uh, inevitably give up home runs or, or uh, allow base hits, but he's been really dominant recently. It's crazy looking at this Marlins bullpen to see four different left-handed pitchers with strikeout rates North of North Mm -hmm. of 30%. That that's just unheard of. I mean, lefties in general are difficult to find let alone good lefties let alone good strikeout lefties so that's uh it's pretty crazy what the marlins bullpen has been able to do with uh left-handed relievers so uh <laughs> i wonder if there'll be a team that'll be looking to trade this offseason but mm-hmm. yeah that's uh, beside the point tanner scott's been really good this year for a long time and now that he's the clear-cut closer i think he's some a guy you can trust and i think everything you said about where the Marlins stand as a team and, and how their their games are played, their low-scoring offense is going to be tight games. I think that gives them plenty of opportunities down the stretch here. I feel like we've been talking about the Marlins making a trade with pitching for the past <laughs> 10 years, and it's never happened. I hope they do it because we want the Marlins to be good, but I'm going to believe him. See, yeah, he's very good, and uh, he'll continue to rise up. If he overtook A.J. Puck, and it's well-deserved. Well mm-hmm. So, Jake, over to you. Who is your biggest riser from the past week i'm bringing alex lang back it's uh it's yeah. been a weird last <laughs> couple months um he he really struggled for for a while mostly with his command just started walking the whole world and 
he started to drop off and then he eventually lost the closer role, but it was for a very short period of time. It was like a week, maybe two that he didn't have the closer role. And that whole time, Jason Foley was, was out on the IL until the very end. So there was never really like a clear closer for a while. Um, and then I started getting in on all the Jason Foley shares. I think I got him in a couple of leagues. And then as soon as I did that, he yeah. stopped being the closer. Alex Lang got put back in there. Um, finally figured things out in, in terms of his, um, in terms of the walks. I mean, they're still pretty prevalent, but yeah. he's been able to work around them somewhat since the be, he, he started off August, like terribly. He had three straight appearances where he walked at least three batters. But if you go uh, to like mid August from the August 16th through the middle of September, he's walked just five guys in 13 innings. That's a, it's a huge improvement. The strikeouts aren't really there, but you can see it in the results. He's got a 2.08 ERA in that time. He does have six saves. So it looks like not only has he gotten the walks in check, he's got his control back under control, but he also is getting those save opportunities, which is what you hope to have in a, in a guy that's, uh, playing for a team that's as bad as the the tigers but yeah it looks like alex lang is back yeah he's i mean since foley's last save he's got six he has six saves of, of for himself lang so he's they out they're, they're trusting him down the stretch which is great to see and yeah walks are still a little bit a little bit of an issue but even you know over that 10 uh, that stretch where he you know, since Foley's last save, Lang has an ERA of 2.61, whip of 1.06. So, you know, it's it's fine. We'll definitely take that. And um, the strikeouts are still there. They're still, you know, at least striking out a guy per game pretty much. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see and where, where he falls kind of in ADP for next season because there's there's a ton of upside there. There's, it's a, one of the more high-risk, high-reward closer options, I feel. But... um. You know, it's good to see. Hopefully, he ends the season on a good, on a high note. And, you know, we don't really have too much talk next season as to, you know, who's going to be closing games, him or Jason Foley. Cause I think Foley, you know, he's, he's pitched great this year, but he doesn't strike anyone out. So that kind of, that limits the excitement for me when it comes, when it comes to like cl- talking about closers. I want someone who can yeah. uh, rack up saves as well. Or yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's been very. It's nice to see him back because we were kind of, you know, at the beginning of the season he was awesome, and he fell off, and Foley was taking it over. It's good to get him back into this track, and knowing the Tigers, who the heck knows what's going to happen going to twenty twenty four, but he's become someone you can rely on down the stretch as the Tigers continue to uh, to battle for just you know the respect at the end of the season. So, uh, final guy I want to bring up and. It's not too much more to add from him because he really hasn't lost his job all season. But Dave Bednar, he's picked up a couple saves uh, since we've last spoken. And there's no competition. It's just a reminder that Dave Bednar is still very good. Who moved up four spots up to 12 in Rick's ranks. Same thing with Tigers. The Pirates are playing a little bit more respectable ball down the stretch here. And just a reminder that David Bednar is still uh, very, very good. Yeah, I was kind of um, was a little bit concerned at the end of August thinking maybe... You know, Bednar had slowed down a little bit. Maybe they would shut him down early just to limit his in, limit limit his innings. But he's he had a huge week last week and uh, still throwing the ball well. So yeah, he should be. It looks like at this point he should be able to finish the season strong. 
Yeah, I, I think the the biggest thing that has him rising up is that he's just racking up the saves like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we 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 talked sort of uh, a little bit a couple weeks ago about Azulay leading the majors in saves in the second half, but David Bednar has come out of nowhere, surpassed surpassed both him and Kyle Finnegan, uh, and he now leads by two he's got 17 saves since the all-star break Oof. next is alzali with 15 and then finnegan with 14 and alzali is now on the il so it looks like bednar might be able to run away with the league lead in the second half in saves there there is a little bit of concern with his performance his era has jumped from 1.27 in the first half to 2.81 the strikeouts uh haven't been as good either. He fell from 29.8%, just about 30% to 24.5%, and his walk rate has doubled. So I, I think the peripherals and the results have not been as good, but because he's making up for that with tons of saves, I think you got to be pretty happy with the success that Bednar has been having in the second half here. And with the risers, we got to go over to some of these fallers from the past week, and these might be more interesting ones to talk about as we get towards, like I said, this middle of September, only a couple of weeks left in the season and see how concerned we actually are. And we'll start with you again, Rick, who's uh, someone you're getting concerned about over this, uh, this final stretch of the season. Um, I, I'll talk about Yenny or can, uh, Yenny because it really, you know, it started off, he was having a great August and really, I was, I was kind of buying into like, Oh, maybe, maybe he's back to his early season ways of just being a dominant reliever who doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but you know, gets a lot of weak contact and whatnot. But, um, September certainly been a, di- a different story for, for Cano. And, um, you know, I wonder now it looks like Batista, Felix Batista might have a chance to return here. So, uh, that hurts Cano's value a little bit. Um, he, he is lucky. I mean, Fujinami hasn't pitched, He's he's been all right, but he hasn't really done anything to take the job away from Cano. Um, so I think Cano is safe for now, but it's you know I don't think he's a top twenty option to the rest of the way. I think he's you know more of a desperation back end. You know I need saves to finish off the year type option because there's there's a there's some some flaws here that are starting yeah. to show. And and that's crazy to say, given how good he was to start the year and how good the Orioles are this year, how many uh, opportunities yeah. they're going to be giving him. But I mean, you were right about how good he was in August. He did not give up a single earned run in the month of August across 12 innings. He also walked just one batter while striking out 12. And then in September, he's already given up four earned runs in three appearances. He has not struck out a batter across those three innings as well. So definitely concerning, especially from a guy who looked like he was finally figuring out the strikeouts again in August. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, the the lack of competition there is likely holding on, helping him hold mm-hmm. on to that closer role. But yeah, it'd be awesome to see Felix Bautista come back, not to get Cano out of that closer role, but just because uh, I feel like really boost the Orioles chances in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah I'm all for uh, the back end of the bullpen, having Bautista back and seeing that entrance in October. Like that oh, would yeah. be absolutely awesome seeing October baseball in Baltimore. Speaking of uh, music, speaking of entrances, have you guys seen Yohan Duran's entrance in Minnesota yet? Yes. Yeah, that's, pretty cool. that's, yeah. that's right up there as one of the better ones, too. I think I still prefer Bautista's, but yeah, for sure. Duran definitely is cool. It's fun. weird from being a Yankee fan. Clay Holmes doesn't have any fun. <laughs> and just want to make Clay Holmes walk out that's, and be like exciting because it also really makes you have a heart attack almost every single time. But Just uh, do uh, Enter Sandman. I don't think yeah, anybody's used uh, that one before. 
No. <laughs> Mario, who? <laughs> Who's the same? But I thought that was just uh, something about your dreams. But Jake, we'll move over to you. Who was your uh, faller from the last week? Um, I'll take Josh Hader. He has been really, really good this year. He's got a 1.29 ERA, a strikeout rate of 39%, one of the best relievers in baseball this year. But it seems like luck is finally going the other way. His his workload has been pretty low this year, so we haven't really seen too much of him. He's tossed just 48 innings this year, which is crazy because Felix Bautista, who's been out for a month, is like over 60. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that might give you a better idea there. But it, it seems like Hater is finally becoming uh, not invincible. Um, hitters can touch him now. There, there was a long period of time where nobody was doing anything against him. Uh, prior to August 30th, he had not given up a run since June 7th. He had not given up a run since May. That was the last time he gave up an earned run. May 31st, he gave up two earned runs. He did not give up another earned run until August 30th. That's a three month, that's a three month timeline where he did not surrender a run. Pretty wild stuff that he was doing there. So that's, uh, that's like 24 innings. Uh, looks like 23 and two thirds innings where he was unscored upon in the earned run department. So that, that's, that's pretty wild. And then, uh, he followed up those two earned runs that he gave up on August 30th with one more on 9-11 so it, it seems like he, he's not invincible anymore um, he, he's still going to be really great but I think the lack of usage um, yeah. the way that the Padres have been playing recently and the fact that now he looks a little bit touchable I think knocks him down a little bit because he's a uh, it seems like he's he is human after all and we do have to keep in the back of our mind that he didn't have that blow up month that he is so used to having either in July or August that Rick is very famous for pointing out um, and he, he has yet to have that. So maybe that's happening in September. Okay. It could be happening in September, except he's only pitched twice. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, I forget who it was I was looking at, but there, there's, there's some relievers that are already at like 11 innings in September. So yeah, to, mm-hmm. he's only at two. He only, had, <laughs> he only pitched, he only had six, 6.2 innings in August as well. So it's, um, yeah. So 8.2 in it, 8.2 innings since August began. He has, two saves since august 2nd two saves um so i I know it's hard to predict saves but that's you know is what's the point of having a closer if you're not getting saves i I, so i mean he can help ratios and strikeouts all you want but he doesn't if if he's not getting saves he can't be in the top five right now so i i only moved him down a little bit because yeah he's still had a really great season and he's gonna get paid a ton this offseason and probably deservingly so but um. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't know what the Padres are doing. Uh. Maybe they're just kind of giving them the month off, and you know, hey, good luck in free agency. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they probably saw what happened to Shohei, and they were just like, we do not yeah. want that to happen to you. Yeah. Maybe was, I, I don't know. It's it's just weird that he doesn't even pitch, and you know, these even if it's not a safe situation, you still see closers pitching. It's 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 weird. Something either something's wrong, or they're just. I don't know. The Padres have just completely moved on from him at this point. I think that's just the definition of the Padres at this point. Is I don't know what's going on. That's a good point. <laughs> such a disappointing season for them. All I, the way around, yeah. I, I'm very curious what's going to happen with Josh Hader. We know the Padres are good with spending money on anybody, but I'm wondering if Hader is going to be that exception, especially with what they're, how they're using him right now. But yeah. monitor that situation. He'll get paid handsomely, but I'm curious where he'll end up for next season. But the reliever I want to mention as a faller 
is Andres Munoz. And I feel like every week lately, we've been talking him up, talking him down, talking him up. And now yeah. he's down again. Now, he did pitch on Wednesday, pick up the save. He did pitch, uh, I believe, on Monday and pick up a save as well. But he was dealing with a hip injury that kept him out over the weekend. So I know there's a... Rick, you do have some concerns about Munoz at this point, just for the continuing uh, moving up and down. But it's just a reminder to uh, keep in mind that the Mariners have, throughout the season, throughout the recent memory, used a committee approach. So I wonder with the slight injury to Munoz uh, that kept him out over the weekend, do they go back to that committee again? It, it looks like he's fine. Uh, it's good to see him get that save yesterday. Um, but it's just, yeah... He's been yo-yoing up and down the list recently, but I think it's like, you know, Matt Brash has been pitching really, really well recently as well. So, yeah, and like you said, like Seattle has gone with the committee and even if you, you know, their beat writers will will be the first to say like there is no closer. It's, you know, there's a a committee approach here. So um, I still think, you know, Munoz is option 1A, but... Uh, Brash still, I'm sure Brash will still get some saves the rest of the way and uh, does limit Munoz's value and just the injury just because he's he's only thrown 43.2 innings this year. He is, you know, injury prone. He, he's missed time already. So it's um just a little, you know, you never want to see something like that. Like things like that at hip, it could definitely linger and, you know, all of a sudden maybe next week it's, he has, it, it, he gets up and throws in the bullpen and it's stiff again and he's not available. So, yeah, it's um, you know, I just think he's not. It's he's too risky to kind of put him in the top ten or twelve right now. Yeah, that, that's fair. And and he did struggle to start September, but with the presence of Brash, and then also with them on the way to the postseason, and and definitely wanting to save him for that, I, I think they'll definitely go easy on him so that they can have a fully healthy, strong bullpen once they get into to yeah. October. Let's take one final break, and then we'll get to the set. Keep going with our sadness of followers and talk about guys we were wrong about in this season see if there's any lessons we can take away going to 2024 but take a look at that when we get back when it comes to weight management we tend to put our focus on what we eat but noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat and that's a game changer noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right. Like we talked about last week, we were right on a, a fair amount of guys. We had a uh, predictions were good. We when I was I'm fairly proud of the success rate we had, but of course, there were some guys who were going to own up to it. We're not perfect. I know I like to believe I am at times, but our predictions aren't always right, as seen by me predicting the Yankees to win the American League East and all of us predicting the San Diego Padres to win the National League West. We're not going to get everything right, and it's very, very disappointing. So we'll look at some of the biggest whiffs on the season try and see like i said if there's anything we can take away and, and jake i'm gonna let you kick it off uh, 
because you you know you've like to go with them the victory lap once in a while so we'll <laughs> we'll humble you let you bring back back stuff back to the light who's one of your biggest or even us as a show who's do you think's one of our biggest whiffs from the season um i mean I, I don't know if this was my biggest one but i will start with trevor may just because he's at the top of the list um that that one's an it's an interesting one because if you look at the numbers i i he's been pretty solid for fantasy terms he's got a 3.61 era he's got 19 saves he's on the worst team in baseball and he's still doing that i mean how can you uh be mad about that but you know i i feel like that beside the him being on the IL with, with mental health issues, the 18% strikeout rate, um, the, the fact that he just walks every single person in the world, uh, definitely makes it feel like it was somebody I was wrong about. I felt like he could be like a, a real sleeper, get back to being old Trevor May and be like a legitimately good closer for this team in the first half and then get traded. But not only did he not get traded, but he also didn't get back to being old Trevor May. I think he's been really lucky with that 3.61 ERA and the 19 saves are only because there's literally nobody else in that bullpen. So I, I do feel wrong about Trevor May getting back to being his old, uh, was he ever an all-star old self? Um, but I, I don't feel bad that he did. He probably will reach the 20 saves threshold with a yeah. sub four ERA. I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. He, I mean, he's been, terrible this year but he's been okay from a fantasy perspective because yeah 20 saves he'll, he'll definitely get to 20 saves or he should get to 20 saves and a 3.61 ERA won't kill you but yeah the the 18% K rate to 15% walk rate is a uh, very ugly um you know not someone to look forward to to next year for sure but uh I mean 20 saves is 20 saves I guess if you if you're in like a deep roto league you'll you'll yeah, take and that was that like- and- Post pick 300. Yeah, exactly. We weren't, it's not like we were saying, like, I'll take this guy over, you know, Emmanuel Classe. It's, you know, mm-hmm. you know, lay around, lay around darts. Um, and he, you know, there were better ones for sure. But, uh, yeah, May, May is, is, a, is a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like I said, it's hard. You were saying about say definitely. And I was going to say you probably can't make any definitive uh, statements about the Oakland Athletics because let's face it yeah. there's not too much we can predict about this team but it's nice to know we got the save leader on that and he's been up and down you know I think you said it best it wasn't a horrible call there probably were some better late round darts we can take but mm-hmm. 20 saves is not not a bad amount for a guy you've got pick, past pick 300 but Rick I'll let you uh, get your turn in here where else do you think uh you know, there's something else we could take away from this season in terms of uh, guys we got wrong. Uh, I'll continue on with the next guy on the list. Let's say Ronaldo Lopez because we Oof. we started to buy into that hype right away, and you know, it's it's another one where it's like, yeah, we were wrong about him from a saves aspect. Um, you know, he lost the job in Chicago relatively early on in the season, but um, he has been pitching really well lately. I, I mean, you pro- no one's probably held on to him for this long, but um, he has turned things around, and he is someone who may not so much, but R- Lopez is someone I'm very interested to see where he lands this offseason, if he can find himself on a team where save opportunities are you know, available. He, he's really turned things. It's really since he left Chicago, and you know, he's been pitching really well Cleveland after short stint in LA he's been on three teams in a month but um he, he's a uh, you know the velocity 
ticked up this year. That's what got us all excited. But he still had command issues early on. And he was letting up a ton of home runs. And he's kind of he's fixed both. I don't want to say fixed, but he's 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 definitely uh, alleviated both those problems. And the walks though aren't as bad as they were early on in the season. And he's not giving up you know home runs every game. So he's uh he's looked better lately. But yeah, definitely disappointing from you know only having six saves on the year. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's probably going to go to whichever team Lucas Giolito goes to since they're, they're always on the I same know. team. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like this one was definitely like one of the clearest ones that we got wrong, but I feel like the process wasn't wrong. Like we identified a guy that had opportunity that wasn't like going super highly in drafts mm-hmm. and, and that he made improvements over the off season to his fastball velocity, changed his, his slider grip and uh, seemed like a guy that, was on the rise because he was so good over the last two seasons. And so I think the process was there. I think that's that's a good way that you can go about identifying a guy. And I think we just missed. I mean, just think about the feelings that we had in the opening day podcast when he came in and he was throwing 100 miles per hour. Like it, it felt like every we were so right. It felt like everything was coming together. And, and while that didn't really last the whole season because he made all these improvements uh, in, in favor of walking a ton of guys which mm-hmm. which was really detrimental to his season and after being a guy who didn't walk anybody he became a guy who couldn't really control his pitches and never really got the opportunity to save games but i, I feel like the process was there but then i mean in, in turn in, in in tandem with lopez being being wrong on Lopez meant we were wrong on Kendall Graveman because he was the guy that we were saying, you know, avoid him because Lopez is going to be the guy. And we're like all 100% sure about that. And then Graveman ended up being the guy for a while there in Chicago before landing in Houston, where he's been pretty solid with uh, Chicago. He had a 3.48 ERA and he had eight saves. It wasn't a lot of saves, but I mean, it, it was there. He was the closer most of the time. And then he's been very good in, in Houston, 3.12 ERA. The strikeout rate has ticked up nearly 5%. So uh, he, he was, I, I, fe- I don't feel bad about being wrong about Kendall Graveman, but it, it they, they do sort of go in tandem there. Yeah. I'll jump in here and uh, go for a guy that all three of us have loved. All three of us. We got the Pete Fairbanks. We'll get us all straight. Another guy we've been loving and waiting to take over as closer that just never really panned out. And it's, it's Hunter Harvey in my mind is a, I would say a huge whip because it's it saves for nationals. Yippee! You're taking in a pickup for something, five something in some drafts, but you know, it maybe it goes also to being wrong about Kyle Finnegan. But mm-hmm. and we took a chance on a guy who just you know has a hard, hard throwing fastball on a on a bad team, and it's maybe just a, a reminder in some sense to you know you could throw the darts. But just you know, keep an eye out for those uh, injured guys. You know, Finnegan's or not Finnegan. Mm. Uh, Harvey's handled some some injuries this season. He did set a new career high in appearances, and he still has looked good. Like I'm excited to see what he can do if he can stay healthy. I maybe will fall into that trap again. But you know, so Hunter Harvey's one that I just wanted to point out as a just based on his injury past and something like that. You know, maybe we could take something away from that with. Yeah, I, I mean. Harvey is just like if he's healthy, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be good. He's he's a he's a good pitcher when he's healthy. It's just hard to predict that with him. Um, I think Finnegan on the flip side of that, twenty five saves, three point one one ERA. 
uh, seven wins. I mean, that's um, someone I think that might be one of our bigger misses. And yeah, again, I don't. I feel like that's going to happen once, once or twice a year at least, at the very bare minimum. You're going to have a guy who, and, and let's be honest, I think Finnegan's overachieving right now. I think, yep. I think you know we could see a big, um, you know, decline from him next season, and maybe Harvey ends up closing most games the more, the more you know, getting the most saves for that team next year. So, but for this season, yeah, Finnegan. I mean, he went on our huge run in the middle of the year. He started the year mm-hmm. off horribly. Then went on this massive like stretch of dominance, um, where he wasn't striking out a ton of guys, but he wasn't you know he doesn't give up a ton of free ba- bags, and he was getting a little bit lucky with where the hard contact was going. So you know it worked out. Twenty five saves again. That's you know we'll definitely take that with where he was drafted, which I want to say he was in like the early two hundreds ADP, something like that. So I mean, yeah, I think you take that where he was going and yeah I, I definitely wasn't on board uh in drafts but um you know I'll, I'll take that i'll take that loss i'm i'm not really i don't think that should kill your teams uh, in any format really no i mean I, this one's really a mixed bag because like you, you do it is clear that finnegan was the correct choice here but it's not like we were wrong in taking harvey he did have 10 saves he did get 17 holds yeah. if you're in a holds league he does have a 2.89 era and a 29 percent strikeout rate all of that is really good all of that is somebody that honestly might even be worth drafting where he was taken if, if there was a guy that you were guaranteed would have a sub three era and your 30 percent strikeout rate and 10 saves after pick like 350 I feel like that's a guy I would draft. Mm. Um, it, it just sucks. It felt like we were so close to being right when he was taking over that close role and then he got injured and then he just lost it for the rest of the year. But uh, I feel like Finnegan is the one putting salt in the wounds because if it was just like mm. there wasn't anybody else there that was like clearly the closer and, and Harvey just never really got the chance because of the injury when he was just about to take the closer role, I feel like we would feel pretty good about this one. But the fact that Finnegan was in that same bullpen and was a guy that we were sort of avoiding because we were like Hunter Harvey's just better um, definitely makes that one hurt a lot more but I, I feel like we weren't technically wrong about Harvey I, I think that was a good draft pick super late in drafts to get you 10 saves in a sub 3 ERA hmm. yeah I think you put it in a good perspective and not like Rick said it probably stings more because we were wrong on Finnegan but just like you said he's so under overachieving that I feel like Finnegan's going to end up once again going to 2024 as one of our bigger fades, depending on where, obviously, ADP, yeah. but yeah. just, you know, the saves, it seems like it's going to be an easy, easy avoid, but so we may be having this conversation again a year from now, but we'll go back over to you, Jake. Let's keep this train going. Let's uh, keep going. Somebody who you feel we were, you know, we were wrong about this season. All right. Well, I'll take the L on Michael Fulmer. Uh, this was a guy that I was, I was pumping up for a while in the offseason just because it there was really no clear guy in that Chicago bullpen. It was sort of the the Brandon Hughes show and I was really against that because the Cubs didn't have any other lefties in that bullpen so I felt like it would be weird to use him as their closer and then everybody else in that bullpen was either unproven or unknown and then they signed Michael Fulmer and I got really pumped about him because he had been a closer in the past. The, it seemed like he was making some changes in the offseason with the Cubs and he looked really good in spring training so I started to hype him up. He was going really 
really late in drafts. Um, I, I got him in a couple places and it just really didn't pan out. He only had two saves, 4.42 ERA. The strikeouts went up, but he really hasn't been the guy that we wanted him to be. Though I do feel good that I came off that train really quickly. I got off the train and I went straight to Albert Alzali and that was the correct choice there. It took a while to come through and he obviously did end up getting injured at the end of the year, but he did make up for for that with 22 saves and a 2.71 ERA. So while Fulmer was definitely one of my clearest L's on the season, I, I feel like uh, I made up for it by really quickly transferring my love to Alzali. Yeah, I think we all, I mean, I'm surprised none of us, I know we talked, we did talk about Alzali. I think none of us predicted that Alzali would be getting saves as quickly as he did. I think we were all like, ah, he'll probably be like a, you know, a bridge guy, you know, since he's a starter turn reliever, someone who comes in early in the games. But yeah, uh, I think we were kind of on Alzali, just not in the closer role. And yeah, Fulmer did make the most sense. I don't know why. I'm not really sure why I picked Julian Mer- Merriweather to lead the team in saves <laughs> in the season, but I guess he's had a good year. So <laughs> that's prediction. Cool. yeah, I guess he's, I mean, it's just like my, I mean, Arizona, I had Kevin Ginkle and He's the 65th best player in Yahoo right now. So, all right, nine and zero, baby. I, we just I had the victory lap episode. I just got to take one more. Chance. I know one more, and then we're gonna go back to uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Fulmer is another. I wonder. He, he's another guy who probably gets. He could get a chance at closing out games next season. He's he's gonna be a free agent again. Um. He does have a little bit of history doing it, and it, it again he started off okay. And it, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for him, but um, yeah, I understand where we're coming from uh, as far as he he goes with his skill set, and um, it's going to be another one who I don't know if he's going to be a tease for us next year or if he's going to like mm-hmm. finally break through. Let's hope it's the the other way around. But yeah, uh, yeah, I was on the same train with Michael Fulmer. He was my prediction to lead the Cubs and saves and process was there but I think the lesson I'm taking out of that is uh, is like Jake Jake said be ready to pivot quickly you know we had our inclinations and probably again waited too long to jump on Alzali or jump on I, I definitely was the Davis. I was even when you guys were saying hey it might be Alzali I was still just like eh, I don't know if I want to buy into this or spend fab on him but um, yeah, it's just something I'm going to take into next season is be very uh, water when it comes to that stuff and make the, the pivots very, very quickly. Any other, you know, whiffs that you want to throw out there uh, at this point? Well, let's see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the whole Rangers the closing situation where we were we weren't exactly like ramping up Jose Leclerc and I've been a huge Leclerc, Leclerc guy in the past. He's been one of my favorite options and mm. for like middle to late rounds in, in years past. But this year I was a little bit more skeptical, even though I thought he had, you know, like looking at that bullpen going into the season, I didn't have any faith in Will Smith. And uh, that's another one we were wrong on or I was wrong on. At I least. thought, yeah, I thought we did good when Will Smith was signed to be like we to make that, that connection to yeah, between Bruce Ochi because yeah. I did not consider that at all. And you guys, uh, as a Giants fan, I feel like I should have been the one to to notice that. But you guys were were ahead of me on that, and I feel like just mentioning that gave that slight inkling that oh, like maybe if Will Smith does get a save early on, yes. then buy into it really quickly. But uh, we definitely weren't like preseason like 
okay, uh, we're, we're totally buying into our conspiracy theory that Bruce Bochy is going to make Will Smith the closer. And then LeClerc just really wasn't there. I, I, I think we were all on the LeClerc, LeClerc train. And while he hasn't been terrible, he really has not been like a safe plus holds guy. Seven on the season, despite tossing 48 yeah. innings. That's that's very underwhelming. 27% strikeout rate, 3.17 ERA is not bad. But Will Smith was definitely the clear choice here, even though he's fallen off and he's not a big strikeout guy, 25%. He does have 22 saves, seven holds. That's uh, that's really valuable. And if and if we had been on that earlier, um, I, I think that would have been a huge dub for us. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it was a really difficult one to buy in on, and it was sort of just like that inkling of like personal uh, relationships between a manager and a mm-hmm. former player, and and that's something that's really difficult to lean into. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something that you can really learn from there, but um, it's, you know, sometimes you just got to trust your gut on something like that. Yeah. And so I, we'll keep up with the committee approach. And I want to talk about the, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies where we had oh, this full, why. the full, full committee <laughs> of 2024 of the 2023, excuse me, of a, who is it going to be? Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado, Gregory Soto, Craig Kimbrell. And I know when we predicted it, it was back and forth. It was a lot of a uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez talk and somebody on this show, since I wasn't on last week's, uh, Toot your horn episode. I'm going to say I predicted uh, Craig Kimbrell to lead the team in saves. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, <laughs> but what I'll say is we were probably, we were definitely wrong about uh, Dominguez. And the lesson I'd want to take away from this is when it comes to the committee approach, sometimes you want to take the, uh, the veteran guy who's done it before, but then you go further down the list. Then there's the veteran guy that's done it before that hasn't exactly uh, panned out. So it's a, uh, <laughs> And Daniel Hudson, who I think all three of us were pretty on of a, hey, when he comes back, he could be the closer for the Los Angeles Dodgers. So mm. I'm very confused in terms of how to try and approach that next season. And maybe it's just a, a general topic rather than just uh, guys are wrong about. So, but if you guys want to weigh in on that in terms of a, hey, we were wrong about Sir Anthony Dominguez or most of us, but me, but also we were wrong about Daniel Hudson and how we, uh, you know, how we approach those sorts of uh, battles going forward. Yeah, I mean, with the like you talk about like veteran relievers, it's really it's hard. They're the harder harder ones to predict sometimes, you know, because you know sometimes they go Craig Kimbrell, you know, they 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 could still have something left in the tank, and sometimes it's you know it's Daniel Hudson where he just can't you know get over get over an injury and uh, stay stay on the on the field. So yeah, I mean Kimbrell, it's it's and you know even with Will Smith, I think both Kimbrell and Smith both being you know older veterans they do seem to be breaking down a little bit the second half of the year i mean smith's value kind of ended at the end of july and kimbrough's still closing out games but he hasn't been as dominant as he was to begin the year but still definitely a great you know great value pick especially you know where he was going in drafts because yeah there was a lot of sir anthony hype and alvarado hype which you know alvarado if you didn't if he stays healthy probably was the guy here, but um, got to give it up to Kimbrell for um, you know, having a great season, even you know, even though there's been some struggles recently. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's really hard to take anything from either of these. I mean, someone like Hudson, I, I, I 
you guys both said that he would lead the team in, in saves, but I mean, it's <laughs> difficult because you can say like, oh, don't buy into a guy that's like injured to start the year. And then you would have missed out on both Felix Bautista and Rysel Iglesias. So it's like, yeah. that's not really uh, something that you can take in a next season. So that's sort of just one that really sucks. And and I doubt you guys were even drafting Daniel Hudson anyway, just being mm-hmm. ready for him to get activated off the IL. So, I, I mean, maybe you had Bashing. spent a lot of fab when he finally got activated. But yeah, that that's not a not really one you can learn from and and the the Philly situation was just so unique rarely do you see four different guys that could be a closer or have been closers in the past in the recent past and with little inclination as to who might be the guy there and especially with the histories that each of these guys had like you have Dominguez who looks like he's back to being the the like prospect closer that he was uh in 20 that he looked like he was in 2022 prior to being injured and then jose alvarado who looked like he was finally figuring things out as a member of the phillies and gregory soto who was an all-star closer for two years and then craig kimbrell who's a hall of fame closer who looked like he was washed and really hard to take that group of guys and be like i'm going to like put all my money on one of them and feel good about it so like i don't know what to take from that one either i I guess you could have gone the way of you know i'm gonna spread out my money and then get a few of them but there's a possibility you go alvarado soto and dominguez and you still miss (laughs) out on the guy right so it's it's really difficult situation there and i really don't think there's anything to take take from it because it's either you you got it it's like a like a coin flip, like you either got it right or you didn't, or or you didn't buy into it because it was such a murky situation, muddy situation. But yeah, I think both of those are really weird ones to learn from in terms of L's. No, you're definitely right there, and you know, we'll have, I'm sure we'll have a much more in depth talk topic or discussion about that uh, going in, in the off season. But it's something that as we're looking through these, uh, that I wanted to think about and is that how we could approach that. Uh, next season anybody else you guys want to highlight in terms of uh our some of the biggest uh, losses for the season um yeah i mean just good that you brought up hudson because hudson was one yeah that i was you know upset about and it's you know i phillips has been great so i don't think he was gonna i don't think hudson was ever gonna really get a chance to close out games but it was just weird how like in February and March, it's like, all right, Hudson's probably going to be, he has a chance to be back on opening day. And then it's like, oh, he's probably going to miss two weeks. And then they just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And then he comes back and gets hurt again. And it was just like, all right, this is never going to, this isn't going to happen this year. And you feel bad for the guy because he had pit. He was really underrated last season when, before he blew out his ACL. I mean, it's just at that age, it's tough to, you know, tough to come back from certain injuries, I guess. No, that's that's very true. Jake, anything else you want to, uh, to highlight with that? Uh, don't know if my audio is working. I, I can't get it to connect to my uh, ear. But Perfect. anyway, uh, I, I think Carlos Hernandez is, is a big one. Uh, we were pretty hyped about him. I think that one was fair, given that his, his stuff was really showing out, but really didn't work out with... <laughs> how bad the Royals were and with the uh, sort of status of, of him being pretty unlucky throughout the year. But I, I still feel good about that one. And I think that's somebody that I might be getting late in drafts next year. Definitely. And it's just a you know, reminder to keep that. Up. Of course, we'll have a whole big discussion on all these guys, even more as we get the off season throughout the rest of the season and lessons to take away. But this is a good, uh, good thought exercise. Something that I've had put a lot of uh 
thought I honestly thought into for the season, but uh, definitely something that is nice to uh, to think about as we wrap things up here. But that's gonna do it for this episode of In the Pen. As always, we discussed at the beginning of the show, but you can find us all in Discord in PL Plus as we try and wrap up the season and make those small little adjustments to help you get a fantasy baseball championship. But you can always find our articles on pitchlist.com. Guys, as always, plug where you can be found on Twitter. Any upcoming work as we uh you know, push people towards those uh those pitcherless championships. Uh yeah, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Um and you know, just a couple more weeks, you know, plugging away rankings of closers and setup men so um you know looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season plays out and then uh getting right into the offseason grind and you know seeing where people will rank on the early early rankings for next season yeah and you can follow me at jake crumpler on twitter um all of my work can be found on crumplerbaseball.com it really needs to be updated but uh i i do the weekend editions of the first pitch podcast which is pitcherless daily podcast it'll be running right through the end of the year and i also do a my personal podcast called free baseball which you can find on my twitter um or on at athletes hub uh on their facebook page the athletes hub or on youtube the athletes hub so uh it's a it's a fun podcast i also put out articles every week and write for baseball hq yeah he's got the full the full resume you can find me at Callen underscore elslager hosting the show hanging out in discord just uh you know trying to find those uh small things i'm not as uh, active in terms of uh, the writing but i will be around and uh you know trying to win my championships and help uh those who are uh, those who need to get their championships so excited for this final stretch it's weird watching september baseball and it not mattering for the yankees and red sox but mm-hmm. you know we'll find some some ways and we'll make these uh the last few a uh, few weeks count but it's it's gonna be an exciting stretch those wild card races are nuts and i can't wait to see how uh, they end up but you know, we still got plenty of time and a lot of a lot of things that are going to change over this past week and over this next week. And I'm sure next week we'll have a whole uh, bunch of new guys to uh, to break down for uh, for the rest of the season. But that's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. And we will talk to you next week. 